The Mighty Whites podcast is recorded at the Medicine Room Studios. For more information, visit medicineroomstudios.com. Hello and welcome to episode 93 of the Mighty Whites podcast. Not in as good a mood as we have been for previous ones following the display of the weekend, but there's no shame in getting beat by then. Uh, I'm Jack, as always, joined by KC. Hello. How's things, mate? All good? Yeah, not too bad, like you say. Uh, touch disappointed from the result of the weekend, but nothing that you'd be disappointed about Leeds for, anyway. Nah, I mean, we got outplayed, but that's going to happen, isn't it, against them? Uh, obviously, we got beat 3-1. The third goal coming right at the end when we were starting to push forward, which is understandable. Uh, but they did give us that sense of hope, didn't they, early on? Yeah, it was, it was an ideal start, really, for us. And you don't really expect to see Bamford, the one who's getting in behind a defence, when, they when they're that high up the pitch like that. Uh, very much helped by Mendy getting caught in two minds and not coming out for it. But Bamford made the absolute most of it. Yeah, and uh, obviously it was a phenomenal pass by Calvin Phillips, even though admittedly as good as a pass back as that was, if Mendy comes out properly, there's no danger. But it was yeah. still a really good ball. It was judged well enough to take Thiago Silva out of it and to put Mendy in two minds, so it was still a really good pass. Really good finish from Bamford as well. Like He cut it a bit, near, a bit close to near post when he passed it home, but... Uh, really good finish. Um, but to be honest, as much as we, you know, went 1-0 up, you get a bit of confidence from that. We were second best then pretty much the whole game. Yeah, I mean, it was very much a case of Chelsea's rather expensive quality really shining through on this occasion. Um, you know, I thought, despite the fact he, he couldn't buy a goal, Timo Werner was a, a threat throughout. Um, Giroud, like, despite my adamant opinion that he wasn't going to start having scored four against Sevilla, did and did score. Yeah, uh, pretty typical that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, like you say, it was it was fair in the end. If you score four goals against Sevilla, it does seem fair that you start the next game. Yeah, well, I mean, he sh I'm amazed that he doesn't start more than he did. I know that they've spent a shitload of money, but he is brilliant striker uh, and he just he I mean, should get like, more game time like than Wenger he does. I mean much like Wenger did the um, Chelsea have spent the last three transfer window every January as well trying to find someone to come in to replace him whether it's been Bashway or any number of players on loan for half a season and no we just outlast them all yeah, I suppose there's no substitute, is there, for just being a quality footballer? Like yeah. if you play him that well though, the whole time, he, even though, yeah, he's not. He was, but he was never quick when he was like 28, was he? I suppose mm. he's just. I mean, it, it's very much doing him a disservice to say because he's a target man. Because he's yeah. <laughs> there's more to there's more to him than that. But he is a brilliant target man as well mm. as being a good finisher and good on the ball and all of that stuff. Uh, I just I thought that. 
we they kind of did a number on us. Like I thought Leeds really struggled to get out for long periods. Like they were willing to let. I was good. I, I was going to say Cock and Cooper out of habit there, but Cock only lasted seven minutes, which we'll come on to in a bit. Uh, they were kind of willing to let Lorente and Cooper have the ball at times, but they weren't willing to let Calvin Phillips have the ball, and that just cuts off so much of our build-up play. And I think that we did that really well. Like, and I thought the other thing that really stood out was as good as Click is, and he is a really good player, but up against N'Golo Kante, he looked, <laughs> he, uh, he looked like he, it made Click look like he dropped off two levels. And he hadn't. It's just that Kante is absolutely brilliant. He's brilliant. And he, he's just, it's like, has the energy of the Energizer Bunny or something like just, the man just keeps going, doesn't he? There is no, there is no let up. And if you, I, I imagine if you're kind of paired up with him on a pitch, you must be there thinking this is going to be a long ninety minutes. Yeah, just on the on the subject of uh, Olivier Giroud, we just had a comment of Jason Milton, such a good player to have spent so much time warming benches in his career. Uh, yeah, very true. Uh, he would he would never be the right kind of player for Bielsa, but God, I'd, I'd love to have Giroud. It can come warm our bench and play the last 20 minutes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm Bamford. Uh, obviously, uh, the, the thing that really stood out for me with Kante was every time, because Click, Click is really good at pressing. Like, I don't know the exact stats off the top of my head, but I believe that like the actual pressing statistics, he's up there with anyone. And every time he pressed Kante, Kante just took one touch and went away from him and yeah. just played the pass. And he, he just never looked troubled. It's not like we didn't put him under pressure. It's just that the pressure made fuck all difference. <laughs> it, was, it was just too good. Uh, the main standout, I think, for like Leeds, it, just like casual watching, I haven't gone back and watched it again or analysed properly. I thought his left side did not work. No, I, th- I thought this was... And, and again, it was essentially, for us defensively, it was Timo Werner up against Alioski and Cooper really on that side. And, you know, Timo Werner is, you know, I think he's probably the best striker we've faced so far, despite the fact he was sort of playing wide again. Um, and it, it doesn't surprise me in any way that he, he had the dominance over Alioski the whole time. Yeah, no, but out wide on both sides, they are very <laughs> good. I mean, obviously they had ZH early on and he went off for Pulisic. But Werner, Werner played well off the left and then he played well off the right at times when he popped up over there. Yeah. I suppose, I mean, there were loads of stats about it. You know, they brought a player off the bench that cost 15 million more than our team. Mm. And yeah. it's not going to be, you know, games away at Chelsea that make us mind up of where we finish this season. You know, hopefully... It's as high up as possible. I'm, I'm, I still maintain what I said at the start of the season. So long as it's 17th or higher, I'm fine with it. Uh, but it, that's not going to be the game that makes the difference. We, we're outplayed by a better team. And I wish I could just go and that's the end of it. But 2-1 down, not long left. We should have had a penalty. It's It's been the really frustrating thing because they had the argument on both match of the days that uh, over the weekend and you know I'll be honest I didn't, I didn't watch match of the day because I didn't watch either match of the day because <clears> I was just too annoyed that we'd got beat even though I could logically say 
oh yeah, well, you know, it's Chelsea, it doesn't matter. I was still annoyed, but we got beat. Yeah. It's it's that sad thing now of and I'm and I'm gonna take VAR out of it for a second. The idea that either he's got an advantage here or the or, or the idea that he just he needs to go down for that penalty. You know, contact has been made and whether it's out of wholesomeness in, in Ian Pereira to, to stay on his feet or do you look at it as naivety to not go down? Uh, it's both. It wasn't kicked hard enough to go down, so it's honest, but it was naive because a lot of players, and I don't, this isn't even just a Grealish or Ailing for that matter where we have flop over mm. and stuff. Any experienced forward you know, of a good level in the Premier League, any of them go down there. Yeah. You know, that have been playing there for a while and know the story. It is, I've said for years that the reason diving got so bad is because referees won't give it unless you chuck yourself over. Yeah. And that was only one example, but it happens all the time. Now, there's a lot of players completely take the piss with it. Mm. But that was, I mean, was it, Rob, there was one the previous weekend, wasn't there? That was exactly the same. Um, I'm trying to remember because there was one. Yeah. That, there was one with Danny Welbeck, I think, the previous weekend at Brighton, and his was. I think the argument with him was it absolutely shouldn't have been a penalty with Welbeck, and he, he made a, a meal of it. And I'm trying to remember who the other one was. Yeah, that that was the one. It was in the Brighton game, the one that I was thinking of where he just booted him. Alex Benison, they're saying the exact same thing. Uh, the it it just it just left that taste in my mouth because don't get me wrong, we did not deserve anything out of that mm. game at all. There is in no way, oh, we got screwed by the you know, we should have lost. But if you go two two with like six minutes left and I believe that the make penalty is like 0.76 XG because about three out of four go in. So I'd be about 50% confident that we'd score. <laughs> so Mateus Clint's just going to walk up and yeah. gently pass it in. Yeah, so, and you know, if we're 2-1, we, we're not throwing everyone forward at the end and we don't get caught so easily. They might well have still scored, but it's just, it was just an annoying thing. Uh, the other annoying thing was after about seven minutes when Olivier Giroud collided with Robin Cock. Uh, now, it turns out Cock's been injured since he got injured against Liverpool yeah. and was able to play through it this whole time, which is a good job because as other centre-back is made of wishes and dreams. Uh, <laughs> uh, but Robin Cock has having a knee operation. I believe it's a meniscus problem. Um out for three months. Luckily, Diego Lorente has finally made his debut, but he's now out for three weeks because he's actually stepped foot on the football pitch and that's just too much for him. Uh, so they're both out. Um, obviously, it's a shame Lorente being out and he would be the, he would have been the man to come in, but he's not going to be. What did you actually think of Lorente's debut? Um, I thought it was solid. You know, as, again, considering he'd only been training for a couple of days. Um you know, again, I think we mentioned about Robin Cox's debut that if you're going to step into a Bielsa team on on short notice like that, you're probably best off being a central defender where there is probably the I don't want to say the least amount of effort goes into it. But you don't it, have it's to probably, come up and down. 
it's probably the le- it's probably the least complicated role in the team out of any of them. Um, and you know, I think at times he he looked pretty comfortable on the ball, just and you know, in spite of the very high pitched cheers coming from yeah. the Chelsea fans every time he got the ball. One thing that I don't say, don't get me wrong, it was Tim Port and a bit shitty. But one thing that didn't make me laugh is it seemed like about seventy five percent of our fan base didn't know why they were doing that. Yeah. Uh, basically, Juventus took a massive dive and sh- and like squealed. Now, whether it turns out he squealed because he injured himself and he's out for three weeks now, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe he was squealing because he really did hurt himself. But it looked like he just chucked himself over and went. I can't even deliberately go that high. I don't think, but it went, <laughs> you know, and it just went on from there. Uh, it was one of them things where because it came, if they'd have done it right after the incident and done it about three times. No one had said it, but it's because we carried on the entire game. But yeah. I would say it did seem to get to him a little bit. So yeah, I, I from, a Chelsea, from the perspective of the Chelsea fans, I guess fair play. Like if Leeds fans did something like that and it actually seemed to affect an opposition player's performance, you'd go, good. Yeah. I did actually think in this game, and I, you, I probably have to ignore... Chelsea's second goal for this. But I did think it was one of the best Liam Cooper performances this season. I thought I thought it was the most comfortable he'd looked for a while. I'll be I had him I think I had him <laughs> at like a six and a half or something, so I just had him fairly average. Uh Brad Callett actually we uh is a friend of the podcast from uh, when we we quite often appear on a podcast called Stand Your Ground, which is normally on a Sunday evening our time. That's just a general Premier League one. Brad's on there. Uh, but he's saying that he would be uh, happy with strike coming in. Uh, now, obviously, Bielsa's already named his team for Saturday, for Friday night because he's Bielsa and he does things like that, so it won't be strike. But I, I really like strike. The problem is Bielsa's never going to pick strike and Cooper because they're both left-sided. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, there is an argument, I think, that in that Chelsea game, and this is completely retrospectively, I didn't think of it at the time, so I can't claim to be clever. But with them having the two really attacking eights, there was an argument for playing Stroik and Phillips in middle of midfield instead of playing Dallas in middle of midfield. Yeah. And playing Dallas at fullback. Uh, again, I don't think he was ever going to do it, but I think that there was an argument for it. Uh, and Alex, ben- Alex Benison's got back in touch again, saying, would it have been an idea to form Leif Davis to try and keep up with Werner? No. Leif no. Davis might be the on- one of the only players we've got who can nearly keep up with Werner, but Leif Davis is not good enough <laughs> defensively to do that job. <laughs> He might keep up with him, but he's still getting skinned. Leif Davis <laughs> with his solid four first-team appearances. I still really like Leif Davis. Uh, and so long, I mean, at left-back, I'd be fine with him being thrown in. I'm just glad that um, we do just have enough centre-backs. And that was some good news uh, that did come out of the press conference. Uh, Shackleton and Hernandez are fit. I mean, neither of them are going to start, but hopefully they're on the bench. And they said that they're expecting Berardi back February, which is earlier than I was expecting. I was honestly expecting him to get back like late April and provided we say he'll come on for the last 15 minutes of the last game of the season yeah. and then go back and then go to Italy or something. Uh, but it just, if Berardi is going to get back, it's just another body ahead of Leif Davis in the centre-back packing order. I have no problem with him in the left back packing order, but from what I've seen in the twenty threes, he is no centre back. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it was. I think all over all over the pitch, really. It, it's probably the most stretched I think I've seen Stuart Dallas at times as well this season so far. Yeah. Um, and and you you think about the teams we've we've come up against so far, and and the two main comparisons you'd make would be, would be Liverpool and Man City, and I and I think this Chelsea team were head and shoulders above those two. Yeah. Now, if you're asking me over the full season. I don't think that the head and shoulders above those two, but in terms of teams, Leeds have played on yeah, the day. I th- on the day, I, th- I think Chelsea's been by far the toughest game we've played this season. Yeah, they're, they're the, they're, that was the best. If it wasn't the best side we've played this season, it was the best performance we've played this season. Mm. Like I, the, the way they played there, there would have been a match for anyone. Like they just they didn't give as much. It wasn't even our normal thing of, well, even if they're not create, even if we're not creating great chances, we normally create some, but we just never really looked like getting it. They were comfortable defensively and had way too much for us going forward. It was, it, it was every three, one probably flattered us. Mm. I think the one flattered us. I think that again, the thing that disappointed me and it's the only real criticism I can, I can have of us it's conceding from a set piece again. Yeah. Uh, well, I we'll think... come on. Uh, we'll mention a bit about set pieces later because um, in terms of set pieces, it has to be said that West Ham scare the ever-loving shit out of me. Uh, so uh, I'm a bit worried about that. But we'll we'll finish on a little positive thing about the Chelsea game. There was two. Bamford getting another goal. Obviously, he's great. The form he's in. He's, I mean, he's had eight Premier League goals already. Yeah, another yeah. one away from home as well. Yeah, which is pretty fucking good going. It doesn't mean a whole lot with that record, but... Yeah, and although he might have scared us a couple of times, I thought Ilan Melier was brilliant again. Yeah. Melier is such a good keeper that he forced Werner to save, to save someone else's shot. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Melier is, is, as the season goes on, a... It's probably going to end up turning into the signing of the season, I think. And as impressed oh, I've been with, with Rodrigo and Rafinha, when you think of five million for, for him. Five million, and he's 20. 15. Doing his yeah. GCSEs next year. He's, he's a brilliant goalkeeper. And I, I mean, I want, I've said before, I want him to be number one for 14 years. What I think is more likely is he's just number one for two years. And yeah. then. And then I, I'm, I'm not kidding. And then Paris Saint Germain buy him, and then he goes wherever he feels like going. Yeah, you know, it'll be. I, I, I honestly think if he's this good now, and when you think it's this isn't like a 20 year old midfielder breaking into the side, a 20 year old goalkeeper is like a 17 year old midfielder. He is he's going to be fucking brilliant, and yeah. he's already pretty good. Uh, and just because I've only actually noted down a couple of things about the two matches, because I've got so used to us doing one instead of two, there is a couple of bits of news that I haven't made anything on. Uh, there has been apparently a bit of a breakthrough with uh, the 49ers having some more investment in Leeds, uh, which is not at all surprising. No, they've, they've kind of been actively topping up at times, haven't they? Yeah. Um, so I... I I'm assuming GKU is goalkeepers, goalkeepers union. union. 
I have never heard of that podcast, but I'm assuming that that's what it stands for, saying how remarkable Melier's performances are considering his age and experience. I would agree with that. But yeah, the, the 49ers, like they, Rodrizani pretty much challenged them to spend a bit more money and buy a bit more, didn't he? Mm. Yeah, it's, and I think one of the things is, whilst, especially Victor Otter doesn't, like to conduct a whole lot of business in January. As he has said multiple times, he doesn't really see the value in it for the most part. Um, I, I do think they'll be looking to make an addition to that squad. Um, I, I do think we could probably do with a central midfielder to provide a bit of competition for for Click and either Dallas or Hernandez or whoever it is in the middle there. Yeah, um, I, I agree that we could do with a centre mid, but I, I only think that we'll sign someone if they drop on someone they don't reckon is going to be available, or oh, there's yeah. some, you know, or there's some weird thing where I don't know Rodrigo de Paul falls out with Udinese and suddenly is seventeen million. I am not dealing with that again. I'm yeah, not but, dealing you know, with another problem of Rodrigo de Paul. I think it will be some. The only way that something major happens is if it's something like that. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing is uh, RB Leipzig have officially gone to FIFA saying make him make him pay for Jean Kevin Augustin, who incidentally has been dropped from the Nantes went to, isn't it? Yeah. Has been dropped from the first team because he's nowhere near fit enough. Yeah. So it, it right? wasn't it wasn't just Bielsa then. Uh but it's sort of weird. I mean- I mean, putting on my legal hat for a second, of which I don't own one. I'm not a lawyer. I mean, you did. You've got like an A-level in business, which is closer than anything I've got. I have a degree in business. Mm. I'm not saying a good degree. Just <laughs> I have a degree. Um, I was just going to say, what's, what's closer? You doing, yeah, that the business bit or the media law bit of my journalism degree? <laughs> Oh, definitely the media law, but... <laughs> I'm really not sure. <laughs> I don't think I ever actually did any business law. Yeah, I don't think that either of them are in any way fucking relevant, but putting on our legal hats. <laughs> but we'll have a go anyway. Yeah. I mean, the, the one thing you've got to say is that Leipzig have, have basically been fucked in this deal. Oh, Up yeah. to this point, the idea that FIFA looked and, and went... Well, the obvious thing to do here is to just let him move on a free transfer. Yeah, well, it was a player welfare thing, wasn't it? Where they said, well, there's two clubs who both might own him and both of them say they don't. So this player can't earn a living unless we let him move somewhere. So freebie it is. He does earn a living. His contract, well, his contract... He does earn a living. He, he, He does earn a crust. Yeah. He'll be like everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so just sort of ended up just getting himself a nice I say nice and he's been dropped now, clearly, but um getting himself a move to back to France and I I think there will be a compensation payout from Leeds, but I don't think it will be anywhere near the eighteen million. No, I think I think it, uh, my guess is that there will be some sort of out of I, I don't think it is caught it like out of arbitration settlement <laughs> where 
where Leeds pay him a few million and it's swept under. But I must admit that the, the from what I've read of it, and not this is basically when someone who knows more than me says something and it makes sense and I've sort of remembered it. Mm. It does sound like legally Leeds would win if it went the whole way. Because just the, just the idea that the con- that it went beyond the date. Yeah, I believe I believe that it is stipulated in the contract that like end of the season was it'd be like thirtieth of June or whatever. Thirtieth of June, uh, and FIFA made a point that like they did not force extension to clauses because otherwise Messi could have left for free. Yeah. He had one of them, but there was a few. There was a few all across the board, and they didn't unilaterally, unilaterally extend them. So I think that to avoid all the pissing about, Leeds will end up paying a, a few million. But I do think if it all went right to the end, I do think Leeds would win, even though it's by accident. Like we did agree to that deal. It's very much in bad faith. Yeah, <laughs> I have no problem admitting that. But the other question is, and I'm sure that I'm sure that there will have been people saying this on Twitter because it's quite an obvious thing to think of. If we have to pay 18 million, do we at least fucking get it? I'd assume not. Because he's got a he's got a contract. Yeah, because if if we have to pay for him, surely we should then have him. Even if we're not going to use him. Which which is again why I I although, I suppose, although I suppose Cameron Stewart, we had to pay him. That was different. That was yeah. a very different thing. <laughs> that, that was business negligence. Yeah. <laughs> that was full Chilena. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, there was that, and there was the uh, the opposite end of the scale was the Scott Wooten one, where he signed a contract believing he, he would be there a bit longer. <laughs> and then Chilena just went... Actually, I'm just not going to sign this bit of paper. <laughs> uh, that was that was one of the few where, yeah, there was, you know, bad faith, bad business practice, all of that. That one, he was right. <laughs> I, mean, I, I feel like it would have been better to to have him move back to Leipzig until, and then until this is dealt with and then just stipulate in arbitration or whatever who covers his wet like compensation for wages or something like that as part of the deal? But I think that the problem is that with the way FIFA is, it's not. It's this. Uh, this you, might not get done for another well. year and a half. This might not get done for another year and a half. That's fairly low down the pecking order. This is like the, the end of this might be fourteen Diego Uente injuries away. <laughs> Just think, a couple of decades before this, this would have been a huge deal as well. This this, this could have been a Bosman moment. This this could be the Bosman moment of the. Uh, in case there is another pandemic in thirty years, they will refer to the John Kevin Augustan case. Hey, there must be something about double barreled names. I mean, you know, because it was Pierre Luc Bosman, yeah, John Kevin Augustan, and the one that everyone forgets that because it was from Scotland. I think it was from Hearts to Wigan. I believe Adam Webster was one of them as well, where a yes. similar thing happened. <laughs> Not Adam Webster. I don't mean Adam Webster, because Adam Webster's the one at Brighton. Or was, or was Adam Webster the one at Hearts as well, the centre-back? 
Hang on, it was, it, it was really good on like F or was it Andy Webster? Oh, yeah, no. I think it was Andy Webster. Yeah, Adam Webster was born in Chichester, which is making me think it's less likely to be him. Uh, yeah, Andy Webster. Webster made the first football the football transfer history when he was the first player to in, invoke a loophole in Article 17 of new transfer regulations. This enabled him to cancel his contract in the third year of a four-year deal with the proviso that he goes to a foreign country and that notice was given to his employers. So, like, they wanted, like, four million quid for him and they just they only had to pay 625 grand because he just walked out and we sent his contract. I believe that I have that in the back of my head, even though I, I mixed up Adam Webster and Andy Webster. I believe that TFO Football did quite a good video on that a few months ago. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you should watch all of TFO Football's videos, but very good. But that one sticks in my mind. It was really good because it was one of those things that more people should put. It should be more well-known than it is. Uh, and, it, and, and if the Athletic and TFO Football want to support us. Well, I mean, yeah, because the Athletic, luckily, don't sponsor any podcasts. No. So it's an untapped market for them to get into. Uh, more importantly, if um, if the good old lads that I keep saying, I'm going to manifest this, manifest destiny, if the good old lads at Kirkstall Brewery <laughs> want to sponsor <laughs> us, you don't even have to, don't even pay yeah. me, just send me a crate of virtuous IPA every month, golden. It is a sponsorship that would benefit me in no way at all. Uh, well, I mean, it'd stop you having to bring me beer. Well, true. Uh, don't worry about why he laughed at that. <laughs> a, just don't worry about it. Um, well, a bit of a, the reason for us only doing one podcast this week, we have been doing two, reviewing last game and then a new one for previewing. Because it was late Saturday and then a Friday kickoff, it would go out of date too quick. It wouldn't really work. So we're just doing one this week. So we'll get straight on West Ham at home on Friday, 8 o'clock. Yes, um, Friday night football. I'm yeah, glad we're in see, the Premier League. I don't mind an 8 o'clock kickoff on a Friday, to be honest. I hate an 8 o'clock kickoff on a Saturday. That's stupid. But yeah, I, don't, I don't mind Friday night football. As it turns out, I'm now working Friday morning, so it's really not a concern for me. Don't have to worry about being back in time. Um, I really don't know what to make of West Ham at the moment. They they had put together a nice little run, but have not done a whole lot since. Uh, I think for about eight for a minute. Uh, you'd think I'd have researched that. I'll at least got the table up. I'm sat at a fucking laptop. Uh, but I do. Uh, they are eight. Get in, memory. Uh, West Ham, obviously, are nowhere near as good as Chelsea. But they do, they play a 3 4 3, and it's quite a low block 3 4 3. It's a more Leicester Wolves in system than it is Everton. Uh, so it is a formation that Leeds generally struggle against. Like they'll they'll sit deep. Leeds will sort of play four four two, to so that because we always do against a three four three. Rodrigo will basically push up and be a second striker. Um, the thing with West Ham is they'll sit deep, and you look at their side. Although they don't have Mikel Antonio because he's injured, it is set up very well to counter attack. Yeah. Like I like I like 
I think I like there's more West Ham players that are late this season than there has been for quite a while. Just, just looking through West Ham's results this season, they they are all over the place. I think that they were awful on opening day against Newcastle, but I wouldn't think about that one because that's the one game where they played fall at the back. That's what I mean, caused them to change. Lost to Arsenal, smashed Wolves, got smashed by Everton, smashed Leicester, three-all draw with Spurs. And that was, with, that was they were 3-0 down with about eight minutes left, weren't they, as well? Yeah. One all with Man City, two one defeat to Liverpool, and then they've beaten Fulham, Sheffield United, and Aston Villa, and then lost to Man United. Hmm. But By the way, it's, the, it's, when, it's when you see stuff like um, getting beaten by Arsenal but beating Leicester. Yeah, it's weird to think. You imagine saying that ten years ago. Oof, that's a turn up that they beat Arsenal, but. When you yeah. associate Leicester as being a substantially better side. Um, did you watch any of West Ham and Scum? Uh, I, I watched the first half. I can't remember what I had to do in the evening, but yeah, I watched well, the, first the first half. And that's the bit that I was going to talk about because they battered Man United in that first half. I was going to say, because, you know, outside of the goal, obviously the big moment for them was when Sebastian Haller went, went round, beat Dean Henderson, and then he slipped before yeah. he had the chance to essentially tap it in. Yeah, um, the thing is, with as I was saying before, that they settle well to count. They've got a lot of pace. Like uh, I'm, still, I'm, I believe it's pronounced Sufal, isn't it? Even though it's spelled Kufal. Yeah, like Vladimir Sufal at right back, Masawaku left wing back. They're both really good bombing on. Declan Rice is more of a city midfielder, but that Thomas Suchek, the more I watch him, the more I think he's awesome. Mm. Like he's, he's very dominant in everything he does. Like. He runs powerfully, strong on ball, really good in the air. But he also seems to be a good passer and be quite good at everything, really. He looks like a really good player, and he's one of the ones I'm scared of. And then up top, obviously, Antonio's injured, so it'll be Haller. It's normally been Fornals on one side. And uh, who have I been playing on the other uh, Jared Bowen on the other side. With the pace. Yeah, like that is a well-set-up to counter-attack. And... As good as Fornals has been, there is also a chance that Fornals might drop out because they've got Saeed Benrahma as well. And yeah. it's fair to say he's quite good. Yeah, obviously we've got to experience Saeed Benrahma the last couple of years with Brentford. Um, and I think it was always one of those players we talked about the possibility of signing and, until he decided to release the video of him with his gold-plated shaver or whatever it was and it made him come off a bit of a dick, but I am sure that if Leeds were properly interested, that wouldn't have been the thing that tipped the scales. Yeah. Um, no, nah, very, very good player. And I know it causes a threat before. Yeah, they've... they've I, I don't know why, you know, having even just gone through the results there, I still... I still think West Ham will end up finishing you know, lower bottom half of the table. Uh, I, you know, I don't see this lasting for them. I think they've got a solid team, but I don't think there's, you know, there's some good players there, but I don't think there's anyone particularly outstanding as I look at it. Uh, yeah. 
Snodgrass very much underutilised, obviously. Yeah. I sort of know what you mean, but the, the difference between West Ham now and West Ham previously is... I mean, Haller has not... I mean, when he first signed at the start of last season, obviously with 40 million quid, you'd expect big things. He started really well and he has dropped off. But like their team is pretty likely to be Fabianski in goal, who, you know, I, I think I've said this about like maybe two thirds of keepers were faced. Has a has a mistake in him, but is is a good goalkeeper. Mm. Uh, back three: Balbuena, Ogbonna, and Aaron Cresswell. Who Cresswell seems to like this left centre back role. Uh, yeah. But they're all players like I've said: Sufal and Masuaku at wing backs. Who I like Rice and Suchek are both good. All three strikers. I'm, I rate. I'd, I'd, I'd be more scared of Antonio than Haller, but still, he's pretty solid. Uh, and by the way, people who are watching, feel free to leave your predictions in the comments because so, we're coming on to ours fairly soon. Uh, the thing that scares me most about these, though, is their foot at set, at set pieces. They've got a few good, like, you know, Cresswell is a really good deliverer of a dead ball. Ben Rama is two if he comes on. Uh, and Balbuena, Ogbonna, Rice, Socek and Haller, all five of them are really, really good in the air. Mm. Uh, James Middleton has a question for you, KC. Will West Ham finish above or below us then, if that's what you're thinking? Well, I think we'll finish above them. Personally, I... I... I don't know what I don't know if it's because they've got David Moyes in charge and, and kind of how I view him these days. I don't know if it's just I you know if I feel like the sort of a team of journeyman and Declan Rice. Um, I think as much as yeah, I get you know, bit it can come off a bit of a football dinosaur and a bit Brexit FC and stuff like that. David Moyes is doing a good job. Hmm. <laughs> And when he was the manager last time, he took over a team that was completely in the shit and he kept him up and kept him up comfortably like 15th, 14th and yeah. they sacked him because he didn't like the football. He's, he, I, would, I wouldn't want him at Leeds, but he's, he's doing a perfectly good job. It's a bit like Steve Bruce at Newcastle last season. As much as he won my thing, he did better than everyone expected. And so, like, I had West Ham in my, rel- I had West Ham in my relegation pre-season. And I don't think they'll go down now. I don't think they'll be as high as eighth, but I don't think they'll be much below it, maybe 12th, something like that, which is yeah. where I said Leeds would be. I, right now, would say I think that there won't be more than like three points between Leeds and West Ham at the end of the season. I think they'll be very close to each other. I mean, I'm probably basing my opinion of, on them more on the their game against Villa a couple of weeks back. Because I thought they were, I thought they were very poor in that game, and it's a miracle they came away with a win in that game. One because of the penalty Villa should have should have had, the fact they also missed another penalty. Yeah. Um, you know, Villa absolutely dominated them from start to finish in that game, and it was one of those where the if you if you went by the xG result, it was very much flipped on its head as a result. Three and a uh, half to like half. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like you say, clearly Moyes has got them playing something decent and, and they're, they're getting better results than they were without him at this point. Um, but, uh, you know, I, th- I think 
I, do, I feel I don't. I'm not worried about them unduly. Which you know, Q is losing three 0 now, but um, no, I don't, I don't see them as a particularly big threat. Yeah. Well, said, uh, no, I shouldn't say big threat because they are a tall threat. Yeah. Um, Phil Hayes written a piece today in the Athletic, looking at Leeds as weakness at set pieces. And I have not yet, because I was working before this, I have not yet actually had a chance to read it properly. But I literally had a skim more than just before we started. Uh, and basically, there was quite a... There was, there was set piece figures, but that included penalties. But when you worked it out, 17% of the league goals conceded under Marcelo Bielsa at Leeds have been directly from corners. Is, is that through his whole tenure? Yeah. In the league, since we got Bielsa, one out of every six goals we've conceded. Is from a corner. That I mean, I know that a lot of that is because we didn't concede a load in the championship. You know, mm. I believe I believe that the game of the weekend will be as and I'm I don't know where I read this, but I'm assuming it was Andrew Dalton LUFC stats because that's where I normally read something like this. Uh, I think it's his 113th game on Friday, which is will be his most games in charge of any club. Um. But I think in those 112 games to press, we've conceded 105 in league games. But for 18 of them to be directly from corners is a large percentage. And they're just such a big threat from corners. And it wasn't just the Zuma goal from a corner against Chelsea. They could have had three or four from corners. So yeah. that, that's why West Ham. That's why West Ham scare me. I think this. I think we'll have all the ball all game because I think they'll let us. But especially now that we there's no Lorente and no Cox, so it's going to be even harder to defend. Bamford's going to have to have a really good day defending that near post. Yeah, it'll be interesting as well. The, the first time kind of seeing, and obviously I know they won't be going up against each other directly, but but seeing Declan Rice versus Calvin Phillips. Well, they might end up sort of directly against each other because if we do go basically 4-4-2, mm. you'll have Rodrigo and Bamford against their back three, uh, Rafinha on the right and Harrison on the left against their two wing-backs. And that will leave Click and Phillips versus um, Socek and Rice. Yeah. In the middle. So normally, you wouldn't think, because they're both holding mids, they won't go against each other. Like, Phillips is never going up against Kante. Mm. But in this, you might actually see them go up against each other a little bit, which uh, will be quite interesting. Obviously, Bielsa's already named his team. Uh, Melian goal, Dallas right-back, Alien Cooper, Alioski at left-back, uh, Phillips, Rafinha, Click, Rodrigo, Harrison, Bamford. Uh, he was asked, oh, are we going to be kept waiting over who partners Liam Cooper then? And then he just said the whole team, because he's awesome. Uh I obviously that will be the team unless there's an injury. Is there anything that you think you'd do differently to that, given that you went saying cock above out? No, like you say, with both of those two out, and and you could speculate all you like about strike going into the team, but at this point, knowing how Bielsa operates, yeah, of course he's he's going to go Luke Ailing, you know. He, Luke Ayling is always going to fill that gap when when needed. Um, good to see Rodrigo come back in. I think it was I think it was about time. 
I can I can make Leeds fans just have fantasies in their head by just going, we're starting Rodrigo and Rafinha. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> look at look at our shiny our shiny foreign toys. Look at them. And Jack Harrison on the other side. He came from America ish. Look at these shiny foreign toys. No Millwall, stop booing. Uh, <laughs> um yeah, there's not a right lot in there. You'd look at changing it, you know. I think from the Chelsea game, yes, Harris. It was one of Jack Harrison's quieter games, but I wouldn't merit swapping him with Helder Costa, who would be the most likely change. Or Pervader. Um and because I think again, coming from from that game, Pervader, I, I, I'm sort of getting a little bit annoyed with Pervader now, in as much as. I love the enthusiasm. I love the energy, but for fuck's sake, man, pass the ball. Just look for a one-two every now and again. Yeah, he does sometimes make bad decisions. Right now, I am happy with Pervader. Like, for me, I think he's the fourth winger, mm. and Bielsa appears to think he's the third. Yeah. Which is fine. I'm not going to argue with him. He knows more than me. But I'd still have held the Costa ahead of him. And it, from the look of the substitutions recently, that is not the case. No. Um, again, obviously, I don't think you're going to throw Shackleton in at right back, having just come back from an injury. So Dallas is the obvious choice to go there. Alioski is the obvious choice going at left back. Um, so, yeah, there's there's not really anything you'd look at changing without, I think, raising a few eyebrows if you did. No, and it's just, I can only really... In the entire time that Bielsa's been in charge, the only time I can think where he just chucked someone in out of nowhere, uh, and it's long enough ago that I'm trying to remember, but it definitely was under Bielsa. Can you remember? I think it was Reading at home on a Tuesday night, and he just chucked Lewis Baker in from the start. Yeah, that was... Like, and he got subbed at half-time, and there was all those rumours that he was in his car before full-time. Now, I don't know if they were ever true, but I remember it being talked about. Do you think that's like Bielsa just trying to prove a point at times? Because like, I, I don't know, he doesn't... I don't think he cares what the media says. But I think there is part of him that... Because it was the same with Peacock Farrell when Blackman was going to come in. It was the same with Bamford when Nketiah was going to come in. And the, I don't know, those two both ended in, in horrible injuries. One, because it, obviously Blackman it ruined his season because he broke his leg and the other was... Eddie and Ketcher's balls that were ruined, which is uh, not as long-term, but equally as horrible. Um, but th- there's times where you, I feel like he's just going to go, right, fine, I'm going to show you, I'll do what you say, and then when you're wrong, come say sorry. Look yeah. how shit Lewis Baker is. Look at him. What's yeah, he uh, doing now? I, I thought, obviously, it's just a weird thing. Jamal Blackman's now on loan at Rotherham. Still, you know, on loan from Chelsea. Yep. Without looking, how old is Jamal Blackman? Oh, I'm going to say 25. Jamal Blackman is 27 years old. Jesus Christ. And he is still... And it, I, like, just like, tell him. Yeah, just, the man. Let him have a career. His first loan move was Middlesbrough in 2014. Well, I... I'll say this now, coming from 
a youth development perspective. As much as I dislike Chelsea, I do think the way they they use young players and send them out on loan probably actually prepares the young players who are absolutely never going to play for Chelsea. It actually prepares them quite well for a career as a professional. Yeah, moving around, going to new clubs. <laughs> yeah, and you know, getting and- experience. I'd love to say that's the reason they do it, but they don't. It's because they sign them for four million and they get 12, 13. Yeah. It's, you know, it's very much a business plan. But if someone's not going to play for you by the time they're like 22, 23, just let them go. Just someone, just like, put your arm around Jamal Blackman, walk him to the door and just go, be free now. (laughs) Gift him a sock. Um, so yeah West Ham not the best side but they're set up quite well against the way we play Uh, it'll be a tough one I thought that I had the Chelsea one dead on for the longest time because I had 2-1 Chelsea but then later on they they couldn't even let me have that fucking Frank Lampard twat Uh, (laughs) um, but what do you reckon this one will be on Friday night um you think knowing we're going to record a podcast, I'd think about these things ahead of time, but but I never do. Um, I'll, uh, I'll leave, we'll leave research and stuff to our stats, aren't we? We'll just yeah. I'll, I'll have a beer and talk about it. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my confidence at the moment. I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with an optimistic two 0 win. I feel like I've predicted more draws this season than I ever have before, but I'm doing it again. I think two two. Uh, I think we'll be the better side. I think we'll be annoyed at the end because we'll have deserved the win. But I think they'll catch us on the counter at least once and I think they'll score from at least one set piece. Yeah. So I'm going to say two apiece. Uh, That's fair. Like, like you say, uh, it is my biggest concern anytime someone puts a corner in or a free kick from out wide. Uh, I'm absolutely terrified. And I don't know. I, I, again, I, I don't know if it's an organisational thing. I don't know if it's that we're switching off from from set pieces and not tracking runners well enough. Like, yes, Kurt Zuma's a very strong defender, but he shouldn't be allowed that much space to win a header. No, that was really bad marking. That was really bad marking. I think that we... I don't think we... I don't think that we mark particularly well from set pieces. Mm. But I do think a lot of it does just come down to... Pretty much everyone's just bigger than us. Yeah, and it's not just about being out jumped. I think out man, yeah, out jumped out <laughs> We've got to make an all out stand, and yo, I'm gonna need a man on the front post. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, like basically, it seems that if Bamford doesn't win it, because he's sort of got that free roll that Jansen used to have. Oh, one and the same. One yeah. and the same. Those two. Like that's basically what he does. He just heads it away if it's anywhere near the near post. But it appears that if they beat the near post, we're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I've got this guy. Oh no! <laughs> it, 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 well, I watch Leeds defend set pieces, and I, I always, you know, that stupid voice you get in back of your head that does. Just leave four on halfway line. <laughs> we can't defend him anyway. Just can leave four on halfway line. And just take the chance. Because either they're going to leave five back or 
it goes in. Melier has to get really good at punching. <laughs> like, really. But uh, like, there is a bit of my brain just goes, fuck it, just leave four up front and let's <laughs> let's go all out. I know football has moved on since this point, and and I should know better again as as a as a coach. But if we're not good at defending set pieces, just don't men, defend them. <laughs> I'd say put men on the post or something at least, like at least to fill the put everyone on the line. I must admit, I I must admit, I don't know. I I find it amazing when I see any team that doesn't have players on the post. I I would always have a man on each post every time. I mean, I've none on the personally fault from. It's one of the things I've I've always found funny about Bielsa. As as much as his focus has always been about attack, that we do have eleven men back for corners. Mm. That we don't just leave Jack Harrison forward or or Rafinha or whoever it is. I've I've always found that an odd one. Just because yeah. just because if. If you you know if it is a low ball that comes in at the front post and you, and you hack it clear, you know it's just going to come back. Whereas at least if you've got one of like, like I was always surprised we never did with Helder Costa because Helder Costa is never going to give you anything from a, defending a corner hmm. unless he can jump surprisingly higher than I think he can and I'm just sure, haven't seen it. I'm sure in one of the under twenty three games we left Leaf Davis up front even though he was playing centre back. We left him up front at cost. Five foot one. <laughs> Might as well. Like I, I've always found, I've just always found that quite fun, and I'd love to ask him about it. Like, and I know he, there's so he I know would be so, so dismissive of that question. He would give you an answer because he always gives an answer, but he would you'd walk away feeling like the biggest idiot because whatever <laughs> he'd be right and we're wrong. <laughs> I know he's right. Like again, as you know, as a Leeds fan, he's the best manager we've had in my lifetime, and he's certainly playing the nicest football I've ever known Leeds play. And it's not a criticism; I just want to know the thinking behind it. That, that's literally it, and I, w- I want it to further my coaching career. Yeah, I I believe that. You like Bielsa furthering your coaching career. That's like me going. I I just I just want to go out on a date with who's a famous f- person, Rita Ola, because I because I want it to improve my ability to talk to my fiance. <laughs> I barely I barely even know what Rita Ola looks like. It's just that all of my references are from fifteen years ago. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Just always remember that giant CGI Rita Ola in that advert can't hurt you as much as it looks like she can. <laughs> Absolutely weird. <laughs> so weird. Uh, and that is a so weird way to end the podcast. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's end of episode 93. Uh, we're on Twitter at Mighty White's Pod. We've also got a Facebook page, but to be honest, I only remember to update it when we're about to go live because I don't really use Facebook. Uh, the stuff we write goes up on Through It All Together, which is throughitalltogether.sbnation.com and also on Twitter at T-H-I-U, it's all L-U-F-C. Uh, I don't believe... I, this should be edited properly, so there will actually be the advert at the start, but just in case, if you need anything recording or editing, uh, visit Medicine Room Studios on Facebook or me- go to medicineroomstudios.com. Uh, do we have to plug anything else or do anything else, Casey? 
I don't know. That's not my job. Uh, I don't know. That's not my job. Yeah, that's. <laughs> you can I, see why I'm in the service industry. <laughs> <laughs> now, nah, mate, not my problem. Uh, anyway, that will do us for episode 93. I've been Jack. See you. I've been Casey. Have a good one. In a bit. Mm-hmm.